For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's off to McCaffrey. There he goes. It's a C-back attack. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. And welcome to a post-draft edition of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by Sports Illustrated Skylar Callahan. Uh, Skylar, we we got a lot to dig into uh, today. Uh, instead of doing the traditional, let's look back at this year's draft and see if they hit or miss on certain picks, because we really don't know until these guys are out there on the field. We decided to to not only look at the bottom half of the draft, well, of course, we'll talk about Icky and uh, Matt Corral, uh, and and the top end of the Panthers draft, but we also will look at the guys that they brought in uh, after the draft, un- undrafted free agents uh, in Panthers news, and we'll look at the the all of the draft classes underneath head coach Matt Rule. Uh, he's had two different general managers. Uh, of course, Marty Herney was here for year one, 2020. Scott Fitterer came in starting last year, 2021, and now he's got two draft classes underneath his belt. And honestly, it's easier to kind of grade classes the further away you get from them. So we can really look at the the historic 2020 class, all defensive players taken, uh, and, and grade that better now as we're two seasons away from it, as well as uh, 2021, where the Panthers willed and dealed into 11 different uh, draft picks in that one. So we'll definitely get into all of that. Uh, we'll hit you with the Panther news first. But before we do all of that, a quick word from one of our sponsors at Bet Online. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. Don't forget that uh, that Major League Baseball is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. Just head over to their website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Do you have a uh, favorite to make to the NBA Finals, uh, Skylar? Skylar also beat writer for the Charlotte Hornets, so he's around the NBA a lot as well. Do you have a favorite right now? In the East, I really think it's between Miami and Milwaukee, and – I'm going to lean towards Milwaukee. I just feel like they're the most talented team. And I mean, who's going to stop Giannis? I mean, he's going to have to be four yeah. times in a seven game set. Like, it's just, I just don't see it happening. That's, that's my thing. It's like, and I th- I'm probably going to do this on rundown on Saturday, but the disrespect of Giannis, I feel like we have disrespected this man for too long. He's won two league MVPs, uh, just had a Wilt Chamberlain performance in a closeout finals game last year. 
And it feels like we never talk about the Bucks. They're the defending world champions, and we just never discuss them. And I watched them Sunday basically take apart this Boston team that everyone's all jumped on the bandwagon of because they beat the Brooklyn Nets, who were a, a broken shell of a team <laughs> by the time they got to them. And, and now it's like everyone's like, oh, wow, Milwaukee's actually pretty good. Well, yeah, they've been pretty good for like four years. <laughs> so like, and no one talks about them. I want to see Milwaukee-Golden State. I feel like that'll be the best uh, matchup, although we might get a Phoenix-Milwaukee rematch, and I-, I never thought I would say this, but I wouldn't be mad at that, Phoenix I, versus I Milwaukee. Really, I really hope Memphis makes it, but I just don't see it happening. Like, I just think it'd be so entertaining to see John Morant in an NBA Finals. Like, mm. But I think he's he'll get them there, I think, one day. I think we will see the Grizzlies in the NBA Finals at some point in the next five to ten years, but not this year. I think they're yeah, I think they're like a year or two early. So uh but yeah, I like Memphis. I like how they play. They just you could tell at the end of that Memphis Golden State game on Sunday that they just kind of inexperienced kind of showed up the last couple of minutes. Golden State, man, they're they are very hard to defend. Uh they, they have basically replaced Kevin Durant with Jordan Poole, and the ball actually moves around a lot better with Poole than it did with Durant. He would kind of move into ISO here and there, but the Warriors are like pre-Durant Warriors now and uh Losing losing Draymond and all the stuff that happened in that game, game one, and for them to still lose, it made me feel like Golden State might end up sweeping them. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. You know, we kind of poke around a little bit of everything uh, here on the Believe in Panthers podcast. Uh, let's get into some Panther news. Um, this week, the Panthers added another rookie quarterback to the mix. You might be thinking we're talking about third-round draft pick Matt Corral, who the Panthers traded up for. We are not. We are actually talking about an undrafted free agent the Panthers brought in, and that is Elon quarterback Davis Cheek, uh, another hometown product. Uh, He played at Butler High School. Some of you may be familiar with Butler down in Charlotte. Uh, He started 40 games in five years at Elon, threw for 8,548 yards and 51 touchdowns, 21 interceptions. So he'll join a quarterback room with Matt Corral, Sam Darnold, and P.J. Walker. Uh, Before I even go into the rest of the list, do you think that PJ Walker's ears perked up when they signed Davis Cheek at all? Or do you think he's pretty uh, safe in this spot? No, I mean, I think he's pretty safe. I mean, typically when you see these types of things, it's to to have some somebody there during the the rookie mini camp. I mean, obviously they'll have mm-hmm. that corral, but they've got to have somebody to throw the ball around at rookie mini camp. So I think that's that's a big reason. But who knows? Maybe he impresses during rookie mini camp and maybe finds his way. Uh, deeper still on the roster deep into the summer but um he takes care of the ball obviously like he said it was was it 51 touchdowns and 21 picks so yeah over four years or five years excuse me yeah so he he takes immaculate care of the football so we'll see what happens but i i don't think this is anything more than just having a body there for for minicamp pretty good uh pretty good story though you know coming from charlotte getting a chance to see if he can achieve a dream being a professional player playing for uh, the Carolina Panthers, just like first round pick Ike Aquanu from NC State, who we'll get to here in just a bit. Um, Panthers added five wide receivers, uh, adding to that position group. I don't know if any of these guys are going to get on, but you might recognize some of these names. Virginia's Rashawn Henry, Eastern Washington's Talalo Lemu Jones, Florida State's Andrew Parchment, Miami's Charleston Rambo. I want to say I remember Rambo, or am I thinking of like a brother or someone else whose last name was Ram? I think it was he, the Yes, yes. This same ah, so the heat. Yeah, hmm, that yeah. name that name stood out when I was reading through this. Uh, and then Utah State's Derek Wright. Uh, they signed three linebackers to add depth to that position, including 
Illinois, uh, Kalan Tolson, Boston College's Isaiah Graham Mobley, Fresno State's Aaron Mosby. Uh, the rest of this uh, undrafted class they brought in includes North Dakota State tight end Josh Babsick, Penn State safety Drew Hartleb, Penn State running back John Lovett, and Kentucky defensive tackle Marquan McCall. Uh, most of these guys, the main uh, common denominator amongst all of them is speed. Uh, uh, Hartlob, for example, the safety from Penn State, he ran a 4-2-240 at their pro day this spring. That is what? <laughs> That's yeah. faster than uh, Kalon Barnes, who we drafted in the seventh round, who we'll get to in our, uh, our draft class here in a sec, was the fastest player at this year's scouting combine at 4-2-3. Tolson ran a 4-4-5. Uh, at 235 pounds, which would have put him in the top three of the linebackers at the combine this year as well. So clearly Matt Rule and Scott Fitter went into uh, this offseason with the and last year, really, with the intent to get faster overall uh, from starters to second string to whoever might have to fill in a gap, special teams. It feels like speed is a, uh, a necessity for these Panthers. And you kind of see it in all the draft picks that they selected that all of them kind of had a theme of either freak athlete or speed like at their position. Yeah. I mean, when you look at, again, they only had a limited number of picks. So I think it was the right thing to do instead of reaching for a need at certain spots. I mean, well, I mean, in a way they kind of did fill their needs um, in terms of positions, but I don't know if their, their needs are filled. But when you look at guys like Brandon Smith, Amari Barno, Kalen Barnes. I mean, these dudes are freaking athletic. Like they can shoot out of a cannon. They're they're extremely fast. They fly all over the field. And that's kind of what you have to do, I think, when you don't have as many chances up the plate in the draft as you did maybe a year ago when you had 11 picks. So I think they did a good job. I think that what, what comes with that is there's a lot of boom and bust potential with this. So I don't know that we're going to see this class be as strong as the two previous under Matt rule. But if they all live up to their potential, then this might be the best class by far. It's all about that boomer bust and potential in this class. Uh, Really past Icky Aquan. I mean, even Matt Corral, I mean, he's boomer bust. Like there's not one guy after Icky Aquan that I can pinpoint be like, yeah, this guy is definitely going to be good. They're not going to really have to work with him. Like there's stuff there with Brandon Smith. He's huge. He's fast for a linebacker. Amari Barno is he honestly reminds me a lot of Brian Burns coming out of college, except he doesn't have the same pass rushing skills as Burns did. Now, good pass rusher, but he's kind of a one-trick pony right now. They're going to have to develop some other ways that he can win off those blocks. But uh, Kalen Barnes in the seventh round, like you said, absolute speedster, probably not going to factor much on on the defense, but he's going to be a gunner, potentially a returner. Yeah, Yeah, so there's, there's definitely value in this draft. It's just about how much these guys are going to contribute. Let's uh let's actually start off with that because I wanted to hit the last three draft classes because in the offseason I've gone from uh you know torches and pitchforks for you know getting Matt Rule out of here to eh, let's kind of see to well apparently Tepper's is fine with what they're doing so let's just follow the process trust the process as the 76ers would say a couple years ago um and by all accounts when when I look at it in the offseason the draft classes they brought in, I can't be really mad at any of them because all of them look like they're very well done. Especially when I look around the league and I see other teams doing weird things. Um, New England, for example, trading up for uh, cold strings strings in the first round. Uh, The the best clip I saw on draft weekend was uh, 
Sean McVay and the general manager for the Rams, and they were sitting there talking about a pick they just picked in the first round or something. And the general manager is staring at a TV off to the side, and his mouth just gets like big. He's like, "Oh my gosh, they they got strange or whatever." And McVay turns all. He's like, "What?" He's like, "Who got him? Oh, the Bill got him." And they were like, "Man, we were just sitting here talking about how we could." maybe pick up strange that pick 130 and the Patriots crap in the first round. And that just kind of shows you that uh, these teams beauties in the eye of the beholder, like yep. a guy that one team might have rated number one on their board might be number 20 on somebody else's board. So you really don't know for sure until after the draft is over, what's what, and the Panthers themselves won't even reveal exactly what their board looked like, but we can kind of get a good idea based off of how they did their draft. Um, and let's just start off with it. 2022 Carolina Panthers draft. Uh, you probably heard me and Skyler talk about the top half of it uh, on the rundown on Saturday. Uh, let's just get through that real quick. Uh, Ikea Kwanu, first round, sixth overall, uh, six foot four, 320 pounds from NC State. A lot of people had him as the best overall talent in this entire draft. Uh, your thoughts of uh, Icky falling to the Panthers at six after a run of defensive players altered the board from the very beginning of uh, the first round. I mean, I did not think he was going to be there. And I, as each pick came by, I was just, you know, for the Panthers' sake, hoping that they'd have at least two options at yeah. the to tackle. We got to the Giants at five, and and I'm like, okay, th- th- this was the scenario that we played out in our mock draft. And I said, well, if I were the Giants – I would take the offensive tackle first because you know the Carolina Panthers are probably going to want one themselves. They're not taking Kayvon Thibodeau, whether he's there or not. They, I really feel strongly they were going to take a tackle regardless if Thibodeau was there or not. So to, to see them take Thibodeau first was a little shocking. They they still did get Evan Neal, so you really can't complain about that. But for them to get arguably what may be the best player in this entire draft when it's all said and done at number six – like, that's great value. And yeah. more importantly, they didn't reach for a quarterback. Um, and, and, you know, Scott Fitter had talked about how they feel comfortable taking one guy at number six, potentially maybe maybe two quarterbacks. But the fact that they were allowing themselves to be patient and, and just see how things played out. And they still kind of – it worked out the way they wanted it. The, the top quarterback on their board was Matt Corral. So – and they got him in the third round. They yeah. They land to give up a future third and a fourth to get them, and that's not really all that much in the grand scheme of things. Like if you if you want to get that third round pick back, it's easy to trade back into the third round. The Panthers just did it this year. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and plus, I think I feel a lot better about getting him in the third as opposed to them, you know, anywhere in the panicking first. and getting him like at the sixth pick, like in the first or something like that. Like that would have been the eye opening. What are they doing? Like pick of the entire draft, even if he panned out, it just would have been looked at like, Whoa, they reached for him. Kind of how the giants are having to deal with it with Daniel Jones, like every week in terms of where they picked him. Yeah. But again, he's in the eye of the beholder. The giants really wanted him that high. Probably would have still been there at 20. They didn't care. And the Panthers practice infinite patience in terms of waiting for the board to come to them uh, as you mentioned, the year before, we'll look at that draft class in 2021 in the second, had 11 draft picks. So it's not necessarily the Panthers needed a bunch of draft picks this year. They just needed to to hit on the, the picks they had. And uh, the first one nailed it out of the park. Uh, I wanted Evan Neal on record with, on these on these uh, episodes. I wanted Evan Neal out of the three, uh, Charles Cross and Icky being the, the third. But when we got to pick six and all three were still sitting there, 
I was okay. You got to get Iquano because they started rolling his footage, and I didn't realize that this dude likes to pancake people like <laughs> like everywhere. <laughs> like yeah. this dude's running. It's like um Michael Orr in the Blonde Side, like the fictional Michael Orr, where he's like running dudes into like dumpsters and stuff, taking them to the uh, the school bus. That's kind of like icky, and I didn't realize he was from Charlotte. I didn't realize it was like a hometown kid. He said he grew up with uh thomas davis jersey was his favorite jersey so i mean it was just a feel-good story and i think it's going to be something that actually helps the carolina panthers where they have turned this offensive line from uh, something to be embarrassed about to be honest into a pretty damn solid unit like looking at it right now i assume they're going to kick brady christensen over to left guard inside uh you got taylor moten and now icky on your ends left tackle right tackle um you signed bozeman from baltimore to be the center uh he signed corbett who just came off winning a super bowl ring from the la rams uh to play guard um right guard if i'm not mistaken and that's your five uh and you'll you'll see and they drafted some other uh kids i don't know if they'll stick around or not uh but they did draft Cade mays in the sixth round an interesting prospect six six three twenty five uh for some depth and they still have some dudes uh deontay brown who they drafted last year uh i want to say cam Irvin's penciled in as a backup to left right now which is good don't put him on the field if you don't need to <laughs> i don't want to be your backup center slash swing guard i believe so i mean the situation is way better than it was yeah. at this time last year he's now like irving and, and elfline they're not great starters we know that but i think if you can have them on your roster as backups depth players like I, th- I think that's okay. Like, those guys are good enough to be twos in the NFL. Now, are they starters? Clearly not. But I think when it comes to the, the offensive line, you're going to have injuries. You're going to have stuff happen. You probably feel a little bit better knowing that Pat, Pat Elfline's your backup center than maybe Sam Tecklenburg. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, uh, you might feel better about Cam Irving over, you know, Trent Scott maybe. But I don't know. Maybe that's a toss-up to some people. I'm but. fine with them being backups. Yeah. I, I was not fine with Carolina signing them last year and trotting them out there as starters. I was like, that. Uh, we. I mean, I know these guys are not going to be good yeah. enough to do whatever. And uh, Sam Sam Darnold got hurt. Caffrey got hurt really on a non-contact type of thing. And honestly, his past two or three injuries have felt the same way, where it kind of felt like it was a, a strain or something like that. So I'm not really too worried about McCaffrey coming back. I'm ecstatic to see him run behind this offensive line though. Like yeah. uh, he hasn't had an offensive line like this to run behind and Darnold's never had an offensive line like this to throw behind either. I'm not saying that Darnold's going to have a complete 180 and save his career, save his job or whatnot. But if he had an opportunity to do it, it's now uh, he's never going to have it as good. as <laughs> what he's going to have this upcoming year. And I think he's going to have a short leash like the, uh, the Charlotte faithful are not going to sit around and watch eight games of Sam Darnold before they decide they want to see Matt Corral. Like that's just, it might happen preseason uh, <laughs> third quarter <laughs> game one. I think, I think a lot of what is going to happen is you're going to see that you're going to see the fans pressure the, the coaching staff to put Corral in, in a situation he's not ready for. And to be honest, I don't really remember how Sam, started in New York. I don't know if they had a veteran in place. I, I almost think he was a starter like day one. If um, I, remember. I you know what that's a great question. Uh I know they had bottomed out because he was like the what, the third overall pick. Yeah. Uh, I so. want to say he was thrown in as the starter right away. Maybe he had like Joe Flacco or somebody. But uh, I'm trying to pull it now and see how many games he actually started. 
the one thing you don't want to have is to throw Matt Corral out there in a situation where he's not ready. He's clearly got ways to go developing. Like you want this guy to, to develop and, and be a successful franchise quarterback. You throw that guy out there way too early. You're like Matt Brule said, you can ruin a kid. Yeah. He played, he started 13 games rookie year, uh, Sam Darnold. So, so he must've uh, started. I, I swore he could have started week one, but I'm not sure. He might. I'm trying to, maybe somebody got hurt or something. I'm trying to, I'm pulling it up now just to I kind of see. Who the quarterback was before Darnold, to be honest with you. Uh, let's see. They have Patrick, maybe. I mean, he, he's been all over the map. I mean, maybe it was Fitz magic, but I don't really say I'm looking through to see who, who else it could have been. Cause did Darnold get hurt? And that's why he only played 13 games. He started Josh McCown was a quarterback on that team. He played it was like two games. Like that probably was at the end of the year. Uh or no, he played three. Yeah. So Josh McCown was the other quarterback on this team. I can't see that he was starting over Darnold. He probably was the backup. And then I want to say Darnold got hurt. They get hurt at one point. Yeah. I want to say he got hurt towards the end of the year and they sat him and McCown came in. But McCann, I mean, he was 39 years old on this roster. It was 2018. So, um, and Darnold did not play that w- well. 17 touchdowns, 15 interceptions through oh, nice years. Years. <laughs> <laughs> a rookie year. I mean, he was 21. Uh, he had nothing on offense. He had Robbie Anderson, Bilal Powell. Wow. Haven't heard that name in a while. Uh, yeah. I don't recognize hardly anybody on the defense. Doesn't really have anyone. Yeah. The Jets were a mess. Um, so, yeah, so this is going to be the first time Sam actually has this available to him. And uh, Sam is about a 60% completion passer, but he he knew going into it, they told him they were going to leave this this weekend with the quarterback. Now, uh, we talked about this off uh, camera before we started. Would you have rather had Baker Mayfield and Matt Corral? Because that's really the choice. Uh, they were literally on the phone with Cleveland uh, trying to get it straightened out and – Thankfully, Cleveland just would not bite more of uh, Mayfield's salary in order to trade him, which stalled the whole thing. Uh, meanwhile, Matt Rule's talking to Bill Belichick about moving up to the, the Patriots' third-round pick, which they ended up getting 94th overall. They use it on Matt Corral. By all accounts, it looks as if Corral might have been the first QB on their board this whole time. Would you have rather had Baker Mayfield? Because Baker Mayfield now feels like just it's just Sam Darnold in a different jersey, yeah. isn't it? It is. He's probably a little less athletic than Sam. Um, probably doesn't have the arm that Sam does. Uh, but if you're talking about just having to pick between the two, yeah, I would rather have Matt Crowell. And the only reason I say that is because he's a younger quarterback. He's going to be on a cheaper contract. And I think bringing in Baker now would signify to the same base, to the fan base, like we're trying to win now. It's another win now move. Even though he's not an elite quarterback, it's it's showing like, okay, we think we can do something now. Whereas if you draft Matt Corral, you're gonna sit him behind Sam Darnold. Everyone pretty much knows the optics of that. <laughs> like it's right, yeah. <laughs> it's we're still in rebuild, we're still developing. Now we'll say this. Albert Breer uh, of Sports Illustrated, he reported this, and I, I can confirm this too. Panthers not out on quarterbacks. They're not out on Baker Mayfield. They're not on, out on Jimmy Garoppolo. And maybe Nick Foles is in the mix. Yeah, I did see Foles so, get cut. Uh, yeah, like yesterday, the day before. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a possibility. If, if the Browns can't find a trade partner for Baker Mayfield, which at this point is starting to look like is what's going to happen. 
that's incredible to me. That's so incredible to me that we're number one overall pick from what four years ago, and he's not trophy winner. Two years ago, he was battling Patrick Mahomes in a playoff game and almost won it. They were eleven and five, and he took the Browns to the playoffs and won a game. Yeah, (laughs) I'm like, like, what? And now it's just like they just tossed him out with the trash. Like they didn't, they didn't give him his fifth year extension. He played all of last year with a torn labrum, like on his non-throwing shoulder injury to play with. And to me. I, Baker Mayfield is a hell of a better, much better quarterback than Sam Darnold. I agree. I agree. I've been trying to find holes. Like I couldn't figure out why the world has turned against them all of a sudden. I'm like, yeah, he's he's not. Uh, he's at I his ceiling, top right? tier at all. He's, he's he's certainly at his ceiling. Like he's not going to become a much better quarterback the rest of his career. Like this is what he's going to be. But what he's going to be now is far better than what you're probably ever going to get out of Sam Darnold. Yeah, yeah, but, like his ceiling is higher, but both of their ceilings aren't like incredible home ceiling, like or Josh Allen ceiling or something like that. Uh, and the other reason I think they're going to bring in more competition, or or they could, is because Scott Fitter said from the very beginning of the offseason that they want someone to push Sam Darnold for that starting job. When you take Matt Corral, he's not ready to push Sam Darnold. He's going right. to be ready to come in, learn the offense, develop, understand how the NFL works. How to read? He's this is a guy that, that still has to understand coverages. How to do a five and seven step drop? How to go through progressions? How to read a defense on downfield throws? This is not RPO game a hundred percent of the time. Like this is a whole new different level for for Matt Corral. He's not going to be pushing Sam Darnold for the starting job out of day from day one in training camp. They're going to have to go find somebody from the outside to do that. Now I will say this though: those same type of uh, concerns came up when they drafted Cam Newton in twenty eleven. That you know, take him some time to get out of an RPO offense that he ran and was successful with at Auburn. Uh, and he literally started week one through four and something yards, and it was off to the races then. So now, do I think Matt Corral will start day one? I have no idea. But I, I'm still kind of learning a little bit about Corral myself. But I like the intangibles that they're talking about: great feet. Uh, quick release, which typically you'll get from an RPO uh, style quarterback. Great arm. Like, great arm. Uh, he seems like the type where the reason why I wanted Baker Mayfield was because I wanted that kind of that Jake Delome spunk, that 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 thing that makes guys kind of run through wow. walls for you. Cam had it too, where like guys guys love the dab and the you know all everything, the first dent, all that stuff. Players love that stuff, especially if you're playing with Cam. They follow him. Like, think about the the 2015 season, how much fun that team was having on the sidelines, taking pictures, yeah. group photos, and, like, posing and everything. And it, it was all Cam. Like, it was all Cam that was leading that. Jake, same way. Like, Jake kind of took over the team in 03, and it, it took the personality of him. So I wanted someone. That's why I've fallen away from Sam Darnold, because Sam Darnold doesn't really seem to have a personality that, there the guys follow you know what i mean like and you need that as a quarterback a successful one in the league matt corral seems like the type that does and that was one of the things that attracted the panthers to him yeah he's got he's got some spunk to him he's got some confidence to him i I wouldn't call him a cocky kid by any means but he 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 knows he can play like like and and the thing that i really like about matt corral now if you re- if you've read any of my stuff lately on on all Panthers, you probably like okay, he hates Matt Corral, but <laughs> there's just so much to Matt Corral that has to be developed because of the system that he played in, and it didn't showcase. It. It's not saying that he can't do things in the NFL that he's going to be asked to do. It's just we haven't seen it on tape. Now, when you look at his traits, like the quick release, everyone 
has been saying this. Matt Rule, Scott Fitter, a lot of draft experts. And from what I've watched, he has the quickest release I have seen probably in the last five or six drafts. It's not even close. Now, the athleticism, it's there. He can make throws all over the field. He can make off-balance throws and, and put the ball pinpoint right where it needs to be. The biggest thing with him is cutting down on the turnovers. And uh, like, like I think Larry said on, on uh, the rundown last week, is I think there was like two games where he had 10 or 11 picks combined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Not last week, the year before, I think. Yeah. 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 yeah so when, the, when the turnovers come, they come in bunches. That's what you've got to eliminate. Live for the next down. He's going to learn that. And I think, honestly, being with Ben McAdoo, he's going to learn so much in a short period of time. I think we might see Corral be more ready earlier than maybe even I anticipate because he has been, he's going to be working with Ben McAdoo behind a very, uh, maybe not experienced offensive line, but a very, talented one as well and i mean you gotta think matt corral's looking around he's like okay they just rebuilt this offensive line i've got an all pro at right tackle the number probably the best prospect in the draft at left tackle when healthy i've got a top five overall player behind me in the the backfield and christian mccaffrey the the ultimate quarterback lifesaver in terms of uh hell he made sam darnold look good the first three weeks of last season like i'm sitting there trying to imagine I would think that it, them drafting him, that they would do what they did with Cam, and that sprinkle some elements of RPO into the offense that they're installing to make it more comfortable for him. Because that's kind of that's exactly what they did for Cam. Actually, he, he was kind of it wasn't a full blown RPO like what the Eagles are running now or what the Ravens kind of took from what we were doing before, but it was almost a blend of Wildcat and RPO with a little bit of West Coast offense kind of mixed in there together. And that was when Chud was here, and we had the two tight ends. Uh, with uh, Greg Olson and uh, what's his name from uh, Shockey, Jeremy Shockey, yeah. which was a great offense. I don't know why more people haven't gone back to that two tight end set uh, more often, like the Patriots did on that little run uh, when they were going back to the Super Bowl. But I would think that they would imply, if they're going to use Corral, I would think they would put some more RPO into the play, which is super dangerous because now you've got Corral maybe handing off to Christian McCaffrey. And that's a different beast than anything else I can think of in the league in terms of what you can do out of that set. Because you can fake it to them. You can screen it to them. You can actually give it to them. You can (laughs) – I mean, there's all these different things he can do off of just that one mesh point. And I'm waiting for someone to do it the way Wake Forest does it, where Wake Forest does this really long mesh point. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know if you can do it in the pros – but the way yeah. Wake does it, it's pretty cool in college because, like, they'll sit there with it for, for like four seconds before they decide. Oh, right out, <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can do that. Uh, <laughs> if you've got, like, um, I'm trying to think of what the Aaron Donald coming up. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> barbecue chicken. Like, that's he's like, thank you for just standing here waiting on me to come in here and kill you real quick. The um, Charles has been the hardest guy for me to find a comparison to. Like, that's what I was just about to ask you. Who is there someone out there that he reminds you of? It's it's so hard because, like, there's he, his game is just so different from any other quarterback that I've watched over the years coming into the draft. Like, like Kenny Pickett, I, I can see, you know, people comparing him to Andy Dalton. I, I kind of actually see Daniel Jones a little bit in Kenny Pickett where, you know, I can see maybe even a Ryan Tannehill and, and Kenny Pickett, but that's not, I'm not feeling good about that. <laughs> <laughs> but <You> make me feel. <laughs> I think with 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 Matt Corral, it's so hard because when's the last time you've had a guy come out of the draft who's not necessarily huge, but 
has a quick release, has some athleticism to him. He's got a really good arm, very accurate. Like, I'm kind of getting a mix. Again, I'm not saying he's going to live up to the potential of these two guys, but the same traits is kind of like a Kyler Murray, Zach Wilson combined. That's about the best I can come up with. I cannot, like, pinpoint one quarterback that I can sit there and be like, yep, that's that's who Matt Corral is going to be. But I, I think if you can take some Zach Wilson's game, some of Kyler Murray's game, and combine them, okay, kind of what you get in Matt Corral and his traits. Again, that's not saying that's the kind of player that he's going to live up to be, but who kind knows? of almost I'm picturing kind of a not a freestyling type of quarterback, but someone who's kind of nimble in the pocket. Although he's got size, Corral. He's well, he's kind of slight, but he's tall. He's not short. Uh, he's six. He's very lean. Very very lean. Yeah, six two two oh five. So. Um, he's going to get a shot because all these quarterbacks coming in here, they're all coming in fresh because they're all learning a brand new offense day one uh, from Ben McAdoo. So uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on it because it looks like they're going to have uh, Corral versus Darnold. And like you said, Skyler, uh, they're not done. I, w- I mean, I'd be kind of shocked if they pulled a trade for Jimmy G or yeah. something like that at this point. But uh, How many weeks this upcoming season do you think we'll be on here talking about? <laughs> is this the week for Matt Corral? I, I'm going to say it's going to be about nine and a half weeks that we're going to be sitting the here thing talking. That, you know, I think the thing that's going to pooch this whole thing is that Sam Darnold's going to come out and actually have a good year. Like, he's going to yeah. come out in his fifth year and, that's, that's and play well. Like, if, if that would be the, the ultimate scenario for the Panthers because he's on the last year of his deal, and if he goes out and plays well – then great. You you can let Corral sit and develop. You don't have to throw him out there. And guess what? After this year, Sam Darnold's off the books. Now he may want to come back. If he wants to come back for a one year, you know, ten million dollar deal, maybe. Maybe. I mean, I, I'm not going to hate on that if he plays well. Give give Corral more time. But I think that would be the ultimate scenario for them. Have him come out play at least decent to where they don't have to throw Corral into the mix where he's not ready some of the rest of the uh, the draft that we didn't get to Saturday on my show, the rundown, because they hadn't started yet. Uh, fourth round selection, Brandon Smith, uh, 6'3", 240 from Penn State. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's one of the fastest linebackers in this draft, if I remember correctly. Um, at two six-round picks, did they trade their fifth to move up to get Corral? Uh, Is that what happened? They, they, tra- <coughs> they traded a fourth and a future third to get Corral. Where did our fifth go? I'm trying to remember what we did with the fifth. Yeah. The fifth was part of the trade to go up to get Brandon Smith, I believe. Okay. Okay. So they did. So they moved up in the fourth and got yeah, Brandon Smith at 120. Uh, Amari Barno, six round uh, defensive end from Virginia Tech. I see the the physical comparisons to Brian Burns, six foot six, two forty five. Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's almost. It's like a clone. <laughs> yeah, it's like a clone of them almost. Now, if you can get them in there and uh they're both, you know, raising hell in there, that's that's such a great value in sixth round if uh Barno can pan out to just being a rotational piece on that defensive line uh for Phil Snow. Cade Mays, sixth round selection. Uh, and to me, this is where you get your offensive line. This is where you get your depth, is in the fifth round, sixth round, guys that you know, just dudes that has been you know throwing dudes on the ground for four years. Six foot six, three twenty five from uh, from Tennessee. I need to ask JP Mundy about this guy because Tennessee is his team. Uh, but Cade Mays and then Kalon Barnes, a seventh round selection, uh, six foot one eighty five cornerback out of Baylor. Uh, the cornerback room we've talked about this the past few months. Our cornerback room is pretty uh, jammed up right now. So I would imagine if he makes it on this team, it'll probably be like you said, a gunner, uh, special teams. 
hell with that speed i wouldn't be surprised if they try him out at a kick returner although i thought i saw they signed a kick returner on uh, yeah. yeah so and he wasn't in these unrestricted free agent or undrafted free agent uh list that pulled here um there's no way for us to grade this because we don't know what they're going to do but I, I will say off of potential i think carolina knocked it out the park in terms of what they had available to them and filling need without having to reach and not giving up future uh high-end draft selections like top three rounds like Federer was very specific he didn't want to give away first or second round picks to do anything and they succeeded they they were able to do that got all their picks for next year uh, this is a very young team people forget how young this panthers team is let's go back to last year because we can kind of grade this draft class now uh this was a loaded draft class 11 picks from the panthers 2021 starting off first round they had jc horn cornerback south carolina kind of surprised a lot of folks when they drafted him uh with justin fields and mac jones quarterback still on the board and we had not done anything with Sam Darnold yet. They, of course, extended him to his fifth year the very next day after they drafted J.C. Uh, we only saw J.C. for three games, got hurt in the Houston game week three. But by all accounts, if I'm not mistaken, maybe I'm just mis- maybe I'm just uh, rem- remembering it wrong, but he felt like a shutdown corner those first three weeks. Um, yeah. I, I, so we'll see. I know he's training to be back. But it's almost I'm- like – it's almost like we got two first round picks this year because we didn't really see JC last year. So you're really adding Icky and JC back to this unit. Yeah, I would give it a B plus right now just because I think we haven't seen enough from him. But I mean, the potential's seriously there for him to be an A plus pick. The, the the one thing that I find intriguing is what if you were if you were fitter knowing this all was going to play out the, the way it did last year? Would you have took one of those quarterbacks, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, whoever? And then get Sauce this year or Stingley this year. Now, obviously, yeah. they went ahead of the Panthers, but saying that they would have been available, Sauce right. or Stingley um, being on the board, and or or would you go with JC and what they ended up doing? That's a really good question. I, and a better question would be, who do you think was the better cornerback in in college, JC Horn or Stingley or or Sauce Gardner? Because that's really kind of what's going to come down yeah. to, right? Like in terms of. I mean, I don't think you can go wrong with the corners. I think the quarterbacks – in this scenario, you would obviously get the quarterback in the corner and it would leave the offensive tackle out. So you almost kind of want to say that the way they did it ended up working out because they got all three positions. You just don't know about the quarterback yet. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, let me – hold on. I'm pulling back up the – I lost my place. Uh, Terrence Marshall Jr. in the second round. They did a lot of wheeling and dealing last year uh and fitter's first go around as general manager uh wide receiver lsu played on the the record-breaking uh 2019 lsu team uh i thought it was a great pick there well hopefully we see some more from him this year brady christensen in the third round if i if i remember correctly he was the highest rated left tackle according to pro football focus going into that draft um looks like he's gonna get moved over to left guard which is kind of where they wanted him because matt rule has a thing about arm length with linemen (laughs) so uh He's going to get his wish, and Christian's going to kick over to left guard. However, now we know he can play left tackle in a pinch. So you've got someone that can move over to left tackle if something happens to Icky. So uh, that's going to be interesting side of the, the ball. Christensen and uh, Aquanu on your left, and you got Moten and uh, Corbett on your right. So, you, yeah, you got some beef up there. 6'6", 300. Uh, Tommy Tribble went in the third round as well, the tight end from Notre Dame. I'm really high on Tribble. I feel like he's got a really high ceiling in terms of what he could do 
especially in a Ben McAdoo offense. I feel like for some reason why uh, tight ends are specialized in these offenses uh, that Ben McAdoo uses, which helps the quarterbacks that he's been uh, training. Chuba Hubbard, I actually saw extended playing time last year due to the injury to Christian McCaffrey. Liked what I saw. Um, who was the other guy they brought in at running back late in the year? Uh, came from Minnesota. Amir Abdullah. Amir Abdullah. Is he still on the roster? No, he's with the Raiders now. Ah, I really liked him. He had a little uh, pep in his step. But Chuba will be going into his Chuba will be going into his third year. Uh, was the leading uh, rusher uh, nationally coming out of college out of Oklahoma State. Davion Nixon out of Iowa was a fifth-round selection. Uh, defensive tackle, 6'3", 305. He got some run. Keith Taylor Jr., cornerback from Washington in the fifth round. And Deontay Brown, six-round pick, a, a guard from Alabama. Uh, I want to say he got some run last year, too. Uh, Shai Smith, is Shai Smith still on the team? Did they let him go? Or? Yeah, as of today, he's still there. Okay, so he's still there as of now. I know he had some legal issues uh, about a month ago. Um, he was a six-round pick. I thought maybe he would take over the kickoff return duties, but um, we'll, we'll see. Thomas Fletcher, uh, long snapper from Alabama last year, and Phil Hoskins, the seventh-round defensive tackle, who I want to say he's still on the roster too, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yep. So all these dudes, like, for the most part, all like the one thing Matt Rule's not scared to do is play his young guys. And all of these dudes got minutes last year. They got reps. So, I mean, I, having said that, and then looking at the 2020 class, Matt Corral is going to play. Uh, Icky's going to start day one, but a lot of these dudes are going to probably get a chance to play just because that's just kind of the makeup of the team. And then we we get to the 2020 class, the first draft that Matt Rule had um, that we can really grade now because I think most of these guys are still on the team also. Uh, Derek Brown, the first-round pick, a defensive tackle. Uh, your Terry Gross Matos was round two, defensive line. Jeremy Chin was a second-round pick that pretty much the entire league thought was a great pick uh, after the fact. Uh, when they saw Chen play, uh, Troy Pride Jr. at cornerback round four, Kenny Robinson a safety at round five. Bravion Roy was really starting to come on in the rotation, and I think he got hurt uh, last year. And then Stanley Thomas Oliver the third at cornerback round seven. I don't think he's still on the team, is he? Yeah, yeah, he is as of right now. But I'm almost wondering with the guys they brought they, uh, they brought in a free agency like Chris Westry, um, some of those bottom. Of the, of the line, type, not bottom of the line, I should say that, but the 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 not sought after cornerbacks like Chris Westry that they brought in, and at drafting Kalen Barnes, I think those guys getting Troy Pride back, he was hurt all of last year. Everyone forgets about him, like you just mentioned him. Mm-hmm. Those those group of guys, I think they're all going to be battling for roster spots. So I think one of those guys, maybe two, could see their way off the roster. So, I mean, most so a, a telltale sign of a, a good draft class is if you know those guys are still on the team two, three years later. And one of the fallbacks, actually, one of the jokes that used to be uh, going around regarding former GM Marty Herney was that he'd always knock out the first round pick like Hall of Famers, Julius Peppers, Jordan Gross. But then the rest of the draft would be like, eh, <laughs> like, I mean, every once in a while he'd hit, he'd find like a Steve Smith in the, the third round or uh, something to that effect. But for the most part, he would nail the first round pick, Thomas Davis, Cam Newton, Jordan Gross, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, those he would get. It was just everything else afterwards. And these draft classes, as I'm looking at them, are pretty strong. Like 2020, we can say is a very strong draft class. Just looking yeah. at the top three, Derek Brown, Gross Matos is pretty much a starter now. Jeremy Chin's the 
de facto main safety in this offense. Um, last year, 2021, out of that draft, J.C. Horn is basically cornerback number one. Uh, if not one, number two, I would assume him and Jackson are going to be the starting cornerbacks. Terrence Marshall Jr. is interesting because I feel like he makes Robbie Anderson expendable. Like, eventually, they're going to decide if they want to move on from Robbie and let Terrence get some snaps as he's still on his rookie deal because he's going into year two now. Um, kind of disappeared at the end of last year, but got some run at the very beginning uh, to the detriment of Robbie Anderson's uh, catch numbers. So we'll see how that plays out. Brady Christensen was starting by the end of the year. Tommy Trimble was in a lot of the offensive sets last year. Chuba Hubbard was the starting running back once uh, McCaffrey got hurt. Nixon was in the rotation on defense on the line. Keith Taylor Jr., he's still on the team, isn't he? Keith Taylor Jr. still on the team? Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. He actually started a few games there towards the end. Okay, yeah, with all the banged-up cornerbacks. I thought he was. Uh, Deontay Brown's interesting. I thought he would have gotten more, more of a shot coming out of Alabama, but uh, I assume he's still on the roster. 6'4", 335, he provides some depth, but now with what they've done reshuffling the line, I'm not sure how much play he's going to get. Look for him in the preseason. Um, a lot of these guys uh, in the preseason games. Uh, and Phil Hoskins, Phil Hoskins, seventh round guy out of Kentucky last he, year. He was a he was what was that? He, yeah, he was a low risk, high reward type of guy in Deontay Brown because you knew that the potential was there. I don't even think he gave up a sack at Alabama. I don't know if it was for his career or his season. I know there was some weird stat that he had, had done, but big guys just had he took a long time to get into playing condition last year, and then he I think he ended up getting hurt at one point. So. Rough year for him. It'll be interesting to see where he comes in at in terms of weight when we get the Spartanburg. So uh, they have a rookie camp uh, May 11th through 13th, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, the, the whole rookie mini camp May 13th through the 15th. So we're kind of back on a regular clock again in terms of how the NFL works. Um, I've actually thought about where's that rookie mini? Is it in Spartanburg, you said? No, it's it'll be in Charlotte. Charlotte. Um, so, and I'm actually considering if they're going to open it up, I'm considering coming down to Charlotte for, uh, actual training camp, uh, late July. So if we do that, we'll have to set something up so we can finally, uh, meet face to face and maybe we can do this in a Panera or something and, uh, an episode out. Um, but that's, I mean, looking at the draft classes, if, if you've had an issue with Matt rule over the past two or three years, Think of the draft. Go look at the draft classes. Just look at them, and and maybe it'll make you feel a little better about where the team is going. And uh, a friend of mine brought up a great point Saturday, something that we've all kind of missed. All of Matt Rule's teams the past couple of years, they really take off in year three. Year three is when they really make a, a complete turnaround, and this is year three. And if you look at this squad, I've got buddies that that pick on me all the time because they, they say that I'm I'm too full of hope, especially as a Panther fan, and that – I'm just setting myself up for fa- for failure every year. And I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? I'm a fan of the team. I'm not supposed to, you know, like, oh, woe is me. We suck. Like, I'm never going to be that kind of fan. And I'm just kind of looking at the, the roster like, okay. Now, the Saints did a lot of work uh, draft weekend to improve their team. And uh, they are much improved. They just signed uh, Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, to play safety. And he's from there. Like, that's going to – the Superdome's going to be off the chain this year whenever they're playing. The Saints have one of the best defenses in the league. They still have Jameis Winston at quarterback. So, hmm. and no Sean Payton. So, hmm. Tom Brady's back, yes, but he's 44 and he's missing 
I want to say he's missing some pieces from the two years ago from the Tampa Bay Super Bowl run. And that, I'm sorry, I know it's Tom Brady, but it can't last forever. It just can't. Like, it has to be a point where he regresses back to the mean. I'm not going to do a Max Kellerman and be like, it's this year or anything like that. I'm hoping it'll be this year. I'm setting all this up to say the Panthers could possibly win the NFC South. Like, am I too crazy as we're getting towards the end here to say this looking at the roster? If certain things pan out, like if we can just get average quarterback play, and McCaffrey just stays upright for a season. Looking at the defense, looking at the offensive line, is it nuts to suggest that the Panthers can contend this year? Uh, for the for the division, I would say yeah. It's still <laughs> Tom Brady. Like unless he gets hurt, I think they're going to win the division. The Saints are a much better team than Panthers right now, but I think they're clearly the third team in this division. The Falcons are just a. a a mess. Like I don't they, know what they're doing. Bad. They may not win three games this year, but for the Panthers, I think you got to look at it like the the quarterback play is still is what it is. The defense is better. The offensive line is better. The receiving room is really not much different from what it was a year ago. They don't need to be there. Pretty strong group in there. Yeah, and and the thing is, you look at the schedule. the The schedule is not officially out yet, but they know the opponents. It's a tough schedule. I mean, they got the Bengals, the Steelers. Oh, they have I Norman. don't remember yeah. uh, the other divisions, but I don't know who they're playing. Yeah, either. so I mean, the, the schedule is ridiculously tough. Um, just the schedule alone, I don't know if they can get to seven or eight wins. But that, well, like you said, year three, this was kind of the thing that me and you talked about all season long when people were already, you know, clamoring for him to be fired. Is that listen, you got if you're going to give this man a seven year commitment. You've got to at least know yeah. that in his history, year three is when the the, the the tide starts to turn. And if you don't give him that year three, it's going to make you look stupid for even right. giving him a seven-year deal. That's when you I got to at least let him get to the point where it constantly turns to see if it happens. If he doesn't turn it this year, then yeah, fire him. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that that's a bad idea, but yeah. you have to at least give him that opportunity. And they'd have to bottom out. Like they would have to go like three and 14 or something this year to make yeah. it really feel like it's not working. Because, I mean, as much as we bellyate, and maybe it's because of the way the seasons went, where they got their wins early, and then it just was just lost, 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 lost. So it kind of felt like piling on. But, I mean, they basically stayed the same with injuries in 2021. And 2020 was a COVID year. He didn't even meet his players until July. <laughs> you know, like first time head coach in the NFL. And he can't even see his players face-to-face because of a pandemic. So, I mean, I kind of give him – well, I do give him a mulligan for year one. And then last year – they just, I mean, had to fire the offensive coordinator halfway through. Uh, Darnold got hurt after he was starting to fail. Your the best weapon the went down. There yeah. was a- I mean, a lot of stuff. Your first round pick gets hurt. McCaffrey gets hurt week three. Uh, it, it was just a lot. So, I mean, I, it, that was the thing that was bothering me the most is people saying David Tepper was being impatient and that he wanted something done. Now, looking back on those comments, it makes it sound like people were just making that up, like for a story, like, Nobody knew what David Tepper was thinking. And when he finally came out and talked uh, last week, it was the complete polar opposite. Like he. It's hard to know what he's thinking when he doesn't say anything. Doesn't say anything. (laughs) I think on purpose, like, which is probably the way to go. (laughs) Like, don't say anything. Stay out of the way. Don't be Jerry Jones with a radio show every week. Just stay out of the way. And once a year, he comes out and addresses the public. Um, I did think it was funny during that press conference that everybody wanted to keep asking him about Charlotte FC. And he was like, I'm not answering any questions about the soccer team. And then the very next question would be, 
So with Charlotte FC and the Panthers together, are you thinking about building a stadium and blah blah blah? You can just see them like like cartoon temperature <laughs> thing rising. Yeah, he's just like ah. Not in the Rock Hill questions. That was hilarious. And yeah, I, I <laughs> like, get I'm it. People, honor them. <laughs> people have to ask these questions. I get it. But after a certain point, when he said the same thing every time, like I, I was Hill, they don't want to say like, okay, if he doesn't want to talk about it. Then let's stop asking the question. Something else. The draft is in three days, and y'all are talking about this thing that's been stalled in Rock Hill and is never. I mean, plus people can't wrap their minds around the idea that this dude has enough money where he can just abandon that and go build someplace else, and he'll be just fine. <laughs> like literally, like I mean, people can't. I don't even know where that came from. <laughs> no hands. Uh, people, people can't even like wrap around sixteen billion dollars in their head. For, so like a, a 70 million dollar complex or whatever he's building that's like that's like a grocery trip like to him you know <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's nothing like he can literally just go buy some land someplace else and just have more control over it next time and just get the whole city of charlotte to pay for it instead of depending on rock hill like he gave you a shot and i don't think that's gonna ever uh be fixed although i'm hearing that it, there's still a slight chance that maybe they can get something together but it sounds like they're walking away from it yeah, there, there's a chance, and I, I've been meaning to get this article done for almost all, over a week now. I spoke to one of the congressmen down there in South Carolina. I gave some quotes from him. Uh, obviously, Tepper said his stuff this past week, so that should be up on the site within the next, hopefully, by the end of the week. I, the draft just completely put it, everything on the back burner, but yeah, the things will start getting slower now. Now the draft's over, right. and uh, they'll start doing some rookie things. Um, we got to get out of here, but uh, follow. Skyler on Twitter at uh, Callahan underscore for the latest on uh, Carolina Panthers and Charlotte Hornets. Uh, I just saw it came across my phone earlier this morning that the Pan- I mean, the Hornets have finally opened up their head coaching search. So definitely follow uh, Skyler for the latest on that. I've got my fingers crossed for Mark Jackson, although I don't even know if he's on the list or not. Uh, but that's who I want. Um, so we'll see what the, the the Hornets do there. You can follow me on Twitter at Dez underscore 3505. That's D-E-Z three five. excuse me, D-E-Z underscore 3505 or at Tobacco Radio. Uh, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Believe in Panthers and keep pounding. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.